0: Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and workers' stories. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. In today's program, we will be revisiting the Wave Hill Walk-Off, which was the beginning of the modern Aboriginal land rights movement. It began as a worker's rights dispute, but escalated, as we will see. We're going to follow that with a speech given by Sally McManus, or part of it anyway. Sally is the Vice President of the ACTU. She was the Field Director of the Build a Better Future campaign and will give us some reflections on the success and otherwise of the campaign. But first... Some union news. There's been an important breakthrough in the farming sector. The NUW, which has been pursuing a fair food campaign following the food chain from the farm to the supermarket to get fair wages and conditions for its workers, have had a number of important breakthroughs. Last week, the uh, Polar Fresh in Melbourne which was a company that supplied much of the frozen goods to coals, saw a dispute resolved within three days as the major supplier of frozen goods to coals began to see shelves emptying. Now, Polar Fresh is partly owned by a company called Costa. Costa is very big in the horticultural and agricultural industry. Agricultural and horticultural industries are rife with exploitative practices, including underpayment and bad conditions. So, the second victory for NUW workers was that the Costa Group, a big supplier to Coles and Woolworths, had been resisting a push to negotiate at its tomato farm in Gura in northern New South Wales. Issues have been heat protection or the lack of an abusive overseer and low pay. Now, the union had no members a year ago, but were able to present a petition of 200 names to force Costa to the table. After disputing the petition in the Fair Work Commission, Costa finally agreed to bargain. This is the very first time this has happened, so this is a major breakthrough. There are a number of ongoing disputes that we all mention. The Crown gaming and hospitality workers, 5,500 of them, represented by United Voice, are pushing for weekend pay increases. This is just uh, a couple of weeks before there is going to be an announcement by the Fair Work Commission ruling on penalties across several industries nationally. In the same spirit as Coles, who recently failed the better overall test at Fair Work, Crown is trying to get out of loadings and penalties by paying a better overall hourly rate, as they put it, but it doesn't cut it according to the workers in the union. The union has, uh, and the workers have uh, knocked back a pay rise offer of 2.75% and are asking for at least 5% a year and new allowances of up to $3 an hour for all weekend work that falls between 7pm and 7am. Working at Crown means they miss out on important events with family and friends. There is also a heavy health cost to working these hours. It's time Crown recognised these sacrifices, said the United Voice State Secretary Jess Walsh. Crown made $662 million in profit last year. That was an increase of 30%. You might want to know about what's going on with the CUB dispute. And it continues, of course. A little background. 54 fitters and turners and electricians were sacked by CUB, Carlton United Brewery, and invited to reapply for their jobs at a wages cut of 65%. The Battle of the Brewery is a touchstone issue in the fight to retain wages and conditions in Australia. The owner of the brewery, Sab Miller, is the second biggest brewer in the world. It's not suffering, it just wants to get rid of unions. The workers and their unions, the ETU and the AMWU, invite you to a rally at Southampton Crescent, Abbotsford on Thursday the 11th of August at 3pm to 4pm, that's if you're in town. There will be speakers including Christy Kane from the MUA WA branch, Michelle O'Neill from the TCFUA, Bronwyn Halfpenny, the state member for Thomastown for the ALP. Following the rally at 5.30, there will be a fundraiser in support of the workers at Victoria Trades Hall on the corner of Lygon and Victoria Parade. A little note attached to this dispute, the picketers out at CUB in Abbotsford sent out a massive thank you to Brew Beer, a good local company that makes great Aussie beers. The boys from Brew, that's B-R-O-O, dropped in to visit the CUB workers outside the Abbotsford Brewery, bearing the gift of 54 slabs of their finest lager, one for each of the unfairly sacked workers. So if you're trying to find a brand of beer that you can legitimately drink, brew is the thing. To finish off, Aboriginal elders refused to perform a welcome to country ceremony at a Rio Tinto function to mark the company's 50-year anniversary of mining in the Pilbara in a protest over what they say is a failure to pay royalties and create jobs for Indigenous communities. The East Gurama native title holders instead took to the stage at the event in Tom Price to attack Rio's record. Unfortunately, we cannot stand here today and welcome you to country when our people are worse off than when no mining existed. We are not being paid compensation for three Rio Tinto mines operating on our country. We are not being employed. We are not getting the contracts and business opportunities that the mine industry prides itself on. Outcomes for the eastern Guruma people have been poor. Rio always wants us to consent to the destruction of our country for mining so that Rio can make more money for its shareholders. None of us know exactly how much money Rio Tinto has made from mining our traditional country, said the Elder. Gather round people, I'll tell you a story An eight year long story of power and pride British Lord Vesty and Vincent Lingyari were opposite men on opposite sides Vesty was fat money and muscle beef was his business
1: broad was his door Vincent was lean spoke very little he had no bang balance our dirt was his floor from Things, big things grow From little things, big things grow
0: The Rindji were working
2: For
1: nothing but rations But once they had gathered The wealth of the
0: land Daily the pressure Got tighter and tighter The Rindji decided they must make a stand. They picked up their
2: swags, started off walking at Waddy Creek.
0: You're on Stick Together with Annie McLaughlin, and we've been listening to Kev Carmody and Paul Kelly singing the song of the Wave Hill Walk-Off. At the time of the Walk-Off, Wave Hill Station had been owned by British Lord Vestey's family since 1914, The Gurindji Walk-Off was initiated by Gurindji Malgunin leader Vincent Lingari on the 23rd of August 1966 and lasted till 1974, an event which lit the fire that became the National Land Rights Movement. This is the 50th anniversary of the event and there are anniversary celebrations going on there from August 19th to the 21st. I spoke to Michael George, Gorinji elder, and Phil Smith, the CEO of the Gorinji Aboriginal Corporation, about the importance of the walk-off and the upcoming events.
1: My name is um, Michael George, a Gorinji person. This is my country, and I've been living here all of my life.
0: You were there when they walked off?
1: I was about 10 years old. from Kinbarak.
0: Can you tell me about what happened?
1: What happened was um, Vincent was in there at Kinbarak. He was at the hospital and when he went to Darwin Hospital, there used to be an old hospital. And When he went to that old hospital and one of the union persons went up there to talk to him, see him, and he said, to Finchon, well, how they treat you at Jinbarak, And Finchin turned around and said, rubbish. They treat us like a dog. No good accommodation. no good education, no good medicine and all that, and no good hours. We were all living in ampia and they give us uh, this Russian, a little bit of Russian tobacco, a little bit of flour, a little bit of sugar, a little bit of tea. That's it and bit of rubbish made from the bullock. Good meat was for all the manager and all them others with the white fellas. That's what I uh, Finchin was saying to that union blogger and Finchin talked to the union and when I get back to Jinbarak, that's why he will stay and I gotta strike all my people because they treat us like a dog. That's what he said.
0: And, and, and did that mean that uh, he knew that uh, he would get support, you, you guys would get support from outside the place, or was it just that uh, what the people did that counted?
1: It's what the people did in Jinbarak. And uh, we get support from the union later. This was our Vincent Liguiari idea was to walk people off from Jinbarak because they treat us like a dog. That's why he didn't like it.
0: So it was everybody, wasn't it? It was uh, the people in the house as well as the stockmen?
1: Yeah, everybody, everybody. We were there by nearly three tribe, four tribes. And there was two suburbs, like one is eastern side, the other one is western side. Uh, we didn't have no shower, we didn't have no toilet. We just you know, we just went up to the, when I was little, 11 years old, what I, I see in all my people, my tribes just went to the bush. You know, they didn't really treat us real good. Good toilet, good shower, cold water. You know?
0: Where did everybody meet, you know, when Vincent came back and talked to people? Do you remember seeing them talk? Yeah. Tell me about that.
1: I was it. When he got back from Darwin, and he just went back to post camp, eastern side and western side, he gathered all the people, Kurunji people, mixed Wildbury, Kurunji, Mulligan, and a lot of people. And we always gathered up, and I was seated, and they was talking, and other people, they all support Finchin. And they would say, Yeah, let's get out of this place. They treat us like a dog. That's why we all, from kids to elders to old people to pensioners and ladies, always all together support pension. And we all. they all say, Yeah, let's go, get out of festies. They treat us like a dog. That's why we all just gather up and we'll just walk down.
0: Yeah, but you made camp somewhere else, didn't you?
1: Now we camp at the police hall, they would call that police hall with his walking the through during the hot weather, how to eat. We was walking at the blackshoil play and follow the fence.
0: And and what did the uh employers do? What did they say? And what, and did they follow you down there and say, you know, come back, come back
1: No, we was when we get to the old Lajavado so say we were all panicking, you know, and looking back, looking back because that's the people were they to they to made it, you know, take and shoot people, you know, who was looking back, looking back from that, was the legend on the road, you know. Hmm. And Clinton was saying, ah, just keep going, don't worry about them. We got spears, everything, here, you know. but nothing we didn't see, anyone behind us, follow us on the fence line. And so, it was really good, you
0: know? so you were frightened, you were frightened for your lives, were you?
1: Yeah, we were, we were frightened for the Vesties.
0: Hmm, goodness.
1: We were frightened for the festies.
0: Hmm.
1: There was bad people from England, you know. Mm. Yeah, people you leave, people you leave will shoot, you know. Mm. But nothing that didn't mean it. it is, I think they just, didn't, just frightened people. up.
0: First off, it was about, uh, you know, treat us properly, but then it was about, we want some land of our own. You know, we want our land back.
1: Yeah, that's right. See, that's why French and us all from Gin Baraks, because they treat us like a dog, and what we got two years, now we got our own land and we got everything here in this community. we got our own corporation, we got everything. Good accommodation, good education, good health. Everything we got. Shop. And now we stand up for our rights. Vincent was say that, you know. Keep fight for your, for your rights.
0: He, he? he was a great man. He was a great man, wasn't he?
1: He was a great man. He was a really very great man. We was good. You'd well, no matter what tribe, we was proud of him.
0: What made him so strong?
1: Made, made him so strong because he was sorry about his people. Because white people been treated like a dogs up there. at better at to Waverley Station, and that's why he didn't like it. He didn't go to school. He didn't know the English, but he just been for his right. To get the Aboriginal people out of besties.
0: You know, uh, you said that uh, the union fellow spoke to him, uh, one of the things that Vincent did was take the message to other states. He went other places in, a cu- in this country and he talked about this. This yeah. made a big difference didn't it? Yeah, it
1: made a big difference. You know. everyone just looked silly you know. We just get all of a sudden. It was a real hard, hard thing you know, for him. It was a real hard thing for him. So we had Union had us follow Vincent and we all kept together at the well, the police hall. Is where we all gather up, sleep, camp at the river, riverbank. And they all can say Union was good helper, you know. And they still support today. They still got to, we still got to help from them today.
0: You're going to have a big festival, aren't you, to celebrate?
1: 50 years Freedom Day, that anniversary. Every after five years, we always have that anniversary. And that's how we celebrate for our people. Not only for us, for the elders, when they die, who have been passed away, we still keep the memory for them. That's why we keep having the freedom every year, from little one to big one.
0: Can, can other people come and celebrate with you?
1: They can come. They can, all can come in, you know, like minister and all that other land council or other sponsors, all that, you know, they can come in for that 50 years anniversary. Give a big one, this one for everyone, for all of us, all, all of us in the Northern Ontario, in, in Australia, because friends have been great the record for all Aboriginal people.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to tell me?
2: The, the, the festival's in Kalkaringi and Dagarago, or Kalkaringi is actually the way you say it, Kalkaringi and Dagarago. <laughs> so there's no people who can visit Dagaragu. It, it is a closed township, but they're more than welcome to come along. A lot of the activities will be at Kalkaringi, which is an open township as well.
0: And can you explain to me what those two things mean, closed and open?
2: Uh, Dagaragu is part of the Gurindji Land Trust, which is the land that was handed back to the Gurindji people by, well, ceremonially by Whitlam and the, uh, the, the sand through Vincent's hands. But, um, yeah, the Australian government largely back in, um, back in the day. So, being a land trust and being a community on the land trust, just a few more rules about uh, visitors, but the mob are generally mm-hmm. quite welcoming on freedom day as well uh, kalkaringi it's a township you know on the, on the on the highway outside of the land Trust and therefore generally open to the public at any time
0: and and I know is it hard to get to where you guys are I mean you know uh, do you have to drive there or uh, yeah but, and you'd have to camp.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: there's plenty of camping spots out here, a big bush camp. Um, people can come and set their own swags up and tents. We've got a tent city, which is for the fancy campers. Mm-hmm. Um, they can have a bed and a, <laughs> you know, a tent ready made. And yeah, the road down is, it's about, oh, what is it 800 kilometres, we, we say, from Darwin. But it's bitumen all the way, so you can drive right into the town without a four-wheel drive. Um, so yeah, quite, quite accessible. A lot of um, sort of politicians, special guests are also flying in charter planes to the um, airstrip. And uh, the other option for people coming from Darwin is the um, we've got a couple of buses sponsored by the Bodie Bus, which is a remote community uh, bus service. And they're leaving Darwin on the Thursday morning, straight straight to Kalkaringi.
0: Ah, and uh, they could find out about this by going to your website, isn't it?
2: Yeah, www.freedomday50.com.au.
0: To finish Stick Together we go to a talk by Sally McManus from the ACTU. Sally was the field director of the Build a Better Future campaign.
3: We, first of all, uh, conducted a survey 55,000 people, workers, um, contributed to that, and we asked about what they thought was most important to their to their way of life, to their living standards, and out of that um, came a sort of cut-down agenda um, at, uh, uh, of six points. And then... Uh, We took those six points to, to workplaces for people to vote on it in workplaces about whether they supported it, to have those debates. And then I went to the ACTU Congress to endorse it. The whole point of it was to build consensus around an agenda, try and work out a way we were going to frame a campaign that was different to what we'd done before, and a way of deepening the engagement with people as quickly as possible, because... So we came out of that Congress with sort of a six-point agenda, workers' rights and jobs, Medicare, education, um, secure employment, um, uh, fair go for all and public services. And so it was an umbrella campaign. It allowed affiliates, so unions, to run their own campaigns underneath it as well. So you would have seen the Gomski campaign, um, which is really magnificent. You would have seen the Save Our Weekends campaign, which was very strong as well. Our strategy was to convince enough people in marginal seats to put the liberals last. First of all, we made a decision to um, run a community-based campaign. And so really, you know, quite simply, that was a, a job of bringing together those people who are already um, active trade unionists, and build a union community in those, in those communities. In places like New South Wales, there's been a lot of time um, put into these groups over about 10 years. So it, the very first meeting I went to out in Penrith, for example, and that's the seat of Lindsay which was won this election, 80 people came to that meeting. So you've got a good idea about what 10 years of organising does um, in a community. If you went to um, northwest Tasmania and you call a meeting like that, you'd be lucky if five people come there's a huge difference between 80 active people and 5 active people. And so we set up in 25 trips around the country and started to build these groups. And we started to do that um, a year ago. And so that was about um, a normal thing about finding activists within the community with Indigenous through a very large photo ID program we had going that also asked um, tried to ID activists as well, and then giving those people something to do that was meaningful around our agenda. And so what we uh, did is um, said that if we had to have high visibility events in that community, first of all we had to map that community and work out where. Um, you know, if you wanted to get to most amount of people in 48 hours, how would you do it? So here in, in Melbourne, it would probably be more to do with public transport, because, you know, people sort of forced to get on those trams get to work, so it's a nice channeling of, of people. In some places where there's no public transport like that, it might be a sports match or whatever. Like, basic stuff, but... Knowing your community, mapping your community, working out how you're going to get to most amount of people, and then go out and campaign around our issues for for a year. So found it really hilarious um, in the you know uh, after the election how the outside know, was going on about the Medicare campaign. Like something that like we all some thought. Oh, you know, over the last few days, let's talk about Medicare. We've been talking about Medicare for longer before we set up these um, groups, but. You know, day in, day out in these marginal seats we were out talking about Medicare and what the um, government was doing to dismantle it. But, you know, the, the media, the mainstream media in Australia doesn't see that because they're not in these marginal seats. They're here, you know, in, in Canberra or in Sydney or in Melbourne and they don't, they're, not, they're not out in Townsville and they're not, they're not in um, Geelong. So we gave, organisers a job of basically building an on-the-ground army of activists in, in those seats and to campaign day in, day out around our issues. And and that's what they did. With all the Trades and Labor Councils, we'd agree that we'd do a big national event. So we might um, have a big national knock, or a big um, telethon or a a whole lot of um, stunts, coordinated stunts, across the country. These were useful tactics, but also good in terms of building a sense of movement because we weren't just about um, winning an election. We were about making the trade union movement stronger. In fact, that's our number one aim: make the trade union movement stronger. That sense of um, solidarity was very important too because... It made people in country towns feel as though they were part of something much bigger. Something bigger, something stronger, something national. And people um, loved that as well. We know as trade unionists, we know as, as social activists, we also aren't going to win around issues unless people care enough about them. So, what we were doing is agitating. We were agitating around, you know, $100,000 degrees, we were agitating around Gomski, we are agitating around penalty rates being taken away, and we were doing that every day. The second part of the campaign, in order to get to those undecided voters, was a huge um, uh, voter ID process uh, across the country in 32 marginal seats. So that's a shitload of people. And so we, last year in September, uh, had worked out within the union movement who were the members who were um, undecided or were soft. So this time we, we identified those people who were soft conservatives or soft progressives. It ended up being a really important thing to do because we didn't foresee that Tony Abbott was going to get next. And when he was, we all, we knew who the soft um, progressives were. We knew that they were the ones most vulnerable to vote for Malcolm Turnbull. So it's the one-on-one um, conversations with people around the issues that they care about. That was done, um, of course, through doorknobs, but mainly at 90% of the work was done through um, really big, extensive phone banking that happened for a period of really six weeks solid, day in, day out. And it had to be genuine conversations, trade unionist to trade unionist. Well there's always been sort of this this thing that, that in elections, in marginal seats, the, the national swing might be say, like it was, would it end up being three point four percent this time? Um, three point four two, I think. Um, That's national swing, it's always going to be smaller in in marginal seats. Well, we're never going to change the election if that was the case, because Herbert, for example, was 6.3% we needed to win. So we had to sort of defy what was normal, knowing that there'd be variances in those swings. However, the average swing in the seats, that we had a 12-month on-the-ground campaign and we called every single union member that we knew was undecided was 5.5%. That's a huge premium. That's the power of the union movement. That's the power of our ability to organise and to be strategic about how we go about it. So in those 22 seats, that's the case. We can also use as a control those places where we only only did the phone calls. Where we only did the phone calls, the swing was the same as the national average.
0: That's it for Stick Together this week. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Michael George, Philip Smith and Sally McManus for talking to us today. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne. It's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au. If you want to contact one of the producers, stick together 3cr at gmail.com or by calling 039419 8377. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time. we got friends
3: in the south,
1: in the cities and towns. years went by. Eight long years of waiting, till one day a tall stranger appeared in the land, and he came with lawyers, came with great ceremony, threw Vincent's
3: fingers, on that handful of sand, go! From little things, big things,
1: Vincent Lingyari, but this is a story, something so much more. How power and privilege cannot move a people
0: who know where they stand when they stand in their law.